The Landlord and Lawyer Podcast with Ben Beadle and Tessa Shepherdson. Hello, everybody, and welcome. He's Ben Beadle. He's the landlord. And she's Tessa Shepherdson. She's the lawyer. And together we are the Landlord and Lawyer Podcast. So today we're, our interview is with Steve Harriet. Is it Harriet? Yep. Um, I'll start again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, Ben, today our interview is with Steve Harriet, who is the chief executive of um, TDS and somebody you know quite well, I think. Yeah, Steve was my boss uh, for many years when I worked at, at TDS. I forget when he joined, actually, but we obviously went through a a period of uh, in, instability and, and uh, Mr. Harriet, Harriet joined and got the good um, uh, ship uh, TDS sailing very nicely. So he's been there a long time, actually. Um, uh, and it will be really interesting to see um, how they're doing, but also how they're evolving, because there's lots of discussions in the marketplace about different types of deposits, zero deposits, lifetime deposits, insured deposits, custodial deposits, <laughs> deposits in installments. Yeah. You know, if you are a deposit junkie, this is the podcast for you. Okay, right. Well, let's see what he's got to say. So I'm actually the, the chief executive of the Dispute Service Limited, which runs a number of tenancy deposit schemes uh, in the UK. It's slightly unfortunate, of course, that the dispute service, TDS, is the same initials that everybody uses for the tenancy deposit scheme. So there's often a degree of confusion, but perhaps more about that later. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've, I've had people um, be a bit confused about it. <laughs> uh, so anyway, welcome to the Landlord and Lawyer podcast. Um, perhaps we could start off with you talking a bit about your job and uh, and the work that you do. Yeah, of course. So um, I've been at uh, the dispute service for the last 11 years. It, it does seem a very long time. Uh, but in that time, uh, you know, the, the scheme has grown. So as you all know, uh, tenancy deposit protection came into being in 2007 uh, in England and Wales. And uh, we set up a thing called the Tenancy Deposit Scheme. And our scheme is uh, backed by Property Mark and RICS, who are the, the two guarantors of the scheme. And the reason for that is that there was a pilot scheme back in the late 1990s, early 2000s, which was backed by RICS and ARLA at the time. And when the government ended the funding for that scheme, both Property Mark and RICS thought it was good to keep a voluntary scheme going. So for four years from 2003 to 2007 we were running a voluntary scheme for larger agents some of you may have you recall the tdsra the tds for regulated agents that was uh, around and you know we've grown quite rapidly uh, in 2012 the scottish government uh, introduced uh, deposit protection requirements and we we formed safe deposits which is now the largest scheme in scotland and 2013 in northern ireland uh, ben and I were involved in this, but we set up TDS Northern Ireland, uh, and that's now the biggest scheme in, in Northern Ireland. And in 2016, uh, we got given a contract to run a custodial scheme. So all in all now, across the, the, the UK, we're now protecting about 1.65 million deposits with a value of just under £2 billion. Um, 
so quite a big organization now we employ about 140 staff uh, across the UK in our offices in Hemel Hempstead Belfast and Glasgow not really Paris San Francisco Milan is it but uh, not yet you know, not yet you know <laughs> who, who knows what might happen um, and our core business is really protecting deposits so you know landlords letting agents have to register deposits with us and in some schemes they transfer the money to us and alongside that we have to offer a free dispute resolution service and we're currently dealing with about 22,000 uh, disputes a year uh, most of which we resolve relatively quickly and amicably um, and it's a you know a great alternative to tenants having to take their landlord to court to try to recover their uh, deposit. And I think in the last couple of years, we've also extended our mediation services. So again, in partnership with NRLA, uh, we run TDS Resolution, which has been a mediation service we put in place to try to help landlords and tenants during COVID, you know, resolve rent arrears when there was no recourse to the courts. We run a similar service in Scotland called uh, Safe Deposits uh, Resolution in partnership with the Scottish Association of Landlords. And, you know, this mediation service is really built upon the success of our early resolution service in disputes, where we actively try to uh, intervene in disputes between landlords and tenants to resolve them without the need for adjudication. So, yeah, that's a quick cook's tour of... Uh, of TDS. Yeah, fascinating and uh, worth me uh, declaring for those that don't know. <laughs> uh, I know quite a bit about uh, deposit protection. Steve was my boss for, for very many uh, of those 11 years and uh, uh, had great fun uh, working at, at TDS but it's incredible that you've been there for 11 years Steve. I, um, I, I, I must have aged a bit during that during that time but uh, where next? Well you know who knows but uh... <laughs> No, I'm very happy here. I think there's a lot to do. Um, you know, uh, there's, there's stuff on the government agenda, isn't there, around lifetime deposits. There's all the renter re reform stuff. Um, mediation is increasingly seen as the way forward here. You know, landlord redress. You know, these are all things that are on the agenda and these are all things that I'm sure will, will keep me busy. Uh, up until the day I decide to hang my boots up and cash in my deposit. <laughs> yeah, indeed. And Steve, I was just, just exploring some of those things then. So in terms of sort of the, the traditional deposit, you know, seems to be working uh, uh, quite well. Um, often lots of discussion about the role that insured schemes play alongside custodial schemes. What's, how's that sitting at the moment? What's the, the medium term um, uh, direction of travel there? You know, in, in a sense, I think the distinction between uh, insurance backed schemes and custodial schemes is one for the aficionados of deposit protection. I think for most landlords and most tenants, it doesn't really matter. You know, people will choose the type of uh, deposit protection scheme they want. I think the key thing for me is that in both the insurance-backed schemes, which we run, and the custodial schemes, which we run, tenants' money is protected. Um, and that's what it's about. I mean, if, if, uh, if a landlord fails to pay back a deposit to a tenant, uh, it's protected in the insurance-backed scheme as much as it is in the custodial scheme. So I don't think, uh, you know, there's much to talk about in terms of the distinctions between uh, the two schemes. I think the, the biggest, bigger issue, I guess, is around lifetime deposits. And, you know, what's behind that? Because, you know, this started originally as a sort of view that 
tenants were saying, you know, I've got an existing deposit with an existing tenancy and I'm moving house. Surely there should be a way in which I can just take that existing deposit and give it to the next landlord. Um, and this is where this concept of passporting came about, you know, that tenants could passport their deposit to the next landlord. And it, it you know, it makes a lot of sense. Um, but it's like all things, when you get into the detail, it's difficult. you realise it's difficult, yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, the biggest difficulty is that, you know, in 55% of our deposit returns, the tenant gets back all their money. <clears throat> so in that 55% of cases, you could quite easily passport the deposit over. But in, you know, 45% of cases, there's a deduction made. And the first landlord, you know, wants a deduction. So the whole problem with passporting is how do you know what's going to happen? Because, you know, the first landlord doesn't really want to give up his or her deposit early because they need it. And is the second landlord going to take a tenant without a deposit, particularly where there's a lot of demand? Or a shortfall. Or a shortfall, you know, and it's, you know, this is about where the risk lies. Mm. Uh, and, you know, although, you know, one can understand the merits of this idea of switching deposits between tenancies, somebody has to bear the risk and i guess you know ben your landlords are not going to be that happy about about bearing the risk so this is where i think the conundrum lies and it's where government policy i think is you know currently a bit of a crossroads well i think the first thing to say is that uh, unsurprisingly there's no magic solution um so you know if you recall this became a manifesto commitment from boris johnson about introducing lifetime deposits and, you know, the fact it's taken two years of work um, and we haven't yet come up with a, with a solution to this demonstrates this is a difficult topic. It seems to me, you know, that the, the way this is going is that we need to try and take the anxiety out of the moving process. You know, I think the big issue for me is that when tenants are moving house, they've got a lot of things to worry about. You know, how do they, you know, find a new property? Uh, they've got to move. They've got to sort out the kids uh, at new schools. And actually then finding another deposit of, you know, 1,500, 2,000 pounds can be, you know, added anxiety in that process. So it seems to me that whatever solution we come up with, it needs to be something which can take that anxiety out about after the moving process so you know the obvious solutions to me are um a loan you know are there financial organizations out there that can come up with a specific deposit loan hopefully low interest to help people move uh, and pay it back you know as soon as they get their deposit return from the first tenancy i think that's definitely on the cards and you know there are organizations out there who already provide that type of funding um, Short-term deposit replacement insurance, I think, is another option. You know, a bridging insurance policy, and we're talking, you know, with our colleagues at Zero Deposit about, you know, such a policy. Um, my favourite option, which I don't think is going to happen, is you know, there to be a Boris loan, you know, a Boris bond where the government actually provide um, a help to rent uh, loan. Now. I can't really see it happening uh, in the UK, but in Australia, uh, in the state of Victoria, that's what they do. You know, the government in Victoria provides tenants with a loan to enable them to move home and they pay it back, you know, during the life of the tenancy. So I suspect loans, insurance are going to be on the table uh, to, to, to address this issue. 
you know, and the other thing is that, you know, quite often landlords are prepared to accept deposit repayments by installments. Uh, if they know the tenant and they get a, you know, big upfront payment uh, from them, I think many landlords are pragmatic and they say, yeah, if you can, if you can pay the rest of the deposit off in the next six months, that's great. You know, we'll, we'll have you in there. So no magic solution, no silver bullet, but I think there'll be a range of proposals coming out uh, in the white paper in due course. At the, at the low income end of the market, that actually solutions like loans or, or um, deposit replacement insurance don't really work. Uh, and you need to come up with a different solution. So yeah, it's a mixed economy, I think, of solutions that we're likely to see at some stage in the future. And it'll be interesting to see, I think, you know, the Fairbonds idea is very much industry led. We're, we're working at, together on that. Um, uh, you know, we know that landlords are pragmatic uh, people. Um, be interested to see, you know, how much of this actually does, the, the industry manages to solve for itself, I think. Yeah, and, you know, I think one of the interesting things for me about this is that if you look at the history of you know, regulation in the private rented sector, there's a bit of a track record here of the industry, you know, coming up with solutions and then becoming then part of the sort of accepted framework. If you look at how the property ombudsman started, originally a voluntary scheme uh, for, for estate agents and letting agents, now they have a, a statutory footing. TDS itself, uh, you know, we originally ran a voluntary scheme. I mentioned this in my intro from 2003 to 2007. And then the government, you know, saw that was the, you know, the way forward. So, yeah, I mean, I think uh, industry working uh, together on solutions, I think, has to be the way forward. Because we know that government, you know, finds it really hard to find space uh, for legislation to introduce regulation. Now, I guess your members, Ben, probably don't want any more uh, regulation, but you know that the you know, regulation of property agents, for example, ROPA, you know, has been uh, around for, for two, two or so years now, and there's still no sign of that you know, getting any, anywhere near parliament for, for legislation. Um, I think the, one of the, I guess, the potential benefits of our work on fair bonds is whether we can attract more uh, private landlords uh, to see working uh, with local authorities um, with low-income households as being a potential market for them. And it's one of the things in my conversations with councils that they're keen to, to see develop. I mean, they're keen to work with good landlords. Um, you know, what they're concerned about is landlords coming into this particular market where they don't really have, you know, uh, much in the way of skills and knowledge of how to behave as a landlord. So I think there's there's work again that TDS and NRLA can do to try to encourage good landlords, you know, members of your uh, association, to think about working more closely with certain local authorities. What about the idea of um, tenants paying the deposit directly to the scheme rather than through the landlord? Um, which I've, I've heard. Is, is, yeah. that, is any of that going anywhere? So again, you know, this is where I think, as ever, legislation doesn't really always keep up with what's happening in the real world. So the short answer is it's on the agenda. The, the difficult um, issue is that technically it looks to me and our lawyers that we've taken some advice uh, from is that potentially that tenants paying deposits direct to, to deposit protection schemes 
could fall foul of some aspects of the legislation. Now, uh, this is because I think the legislation is written on the assumption that the process is landlord gets a deposit from the tenant and it's then the landlord that has the obligation to protect it and issue the prescribed information. And the date at which the landlord receives that deposit is pretty critical because they have to, what, 30 days to both protect it and serve the PI. One of the challenges is when you start delving down into you know, section 2112 of the 2004 Housing Act and schedule 10 of the, um, the Housing Act bedtime reading for, for chief executives like me, is that there is a risk that uh, TDS might fall foul of some of this legislation. You know, if we are deemed to be accepting deposits from tenants, does that mean that the landlord hasn't received a deposit? Um, does it mean that the landlord could argue that they don't have to protect the deposit because they haven't actually received it? It's been paid direct to the scheme. Now, these you know, could sound like pedantic legal points, but the history of deposit protection legislation, in particularly in England and Wales, has been there have been numerous challenges from tenants and lawyers acting for tenants to identify breach of the legislation. And it's quite serious because, as you know, if you, if you haven't protected the deposit properly, um, first of all, you may not be able to get a Section 21 um, 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 possession through, although you know, that may be at risk in the future. Um, but you're also potentially subject to penalties of between one and three times the deposit. So we're pushing government to say, we do think this makes sense, but I think it's going to require some amendment to the, the Housing Act to allow it. And, you know, who knows when government could could find the time for that. It is quite a creative suggestion, isn't it? You know, and given we have a new secretary of state um, uh, and a new uh, newly named department for leveling up housing and, and communities, um, it, it might be interesting because, as you say, Steve, you know, there's a lot of tweaks around the edges when it comes to deposits. But my own view on this is that as a, as a landlord, I just need to know that the money's there if I need it. I don't need to yeah. touch it. I don't need to be involved in the transaction. And I think actually a lot of landlords would probably be relieved at not having to, you know, either collect that money or serve prescribed information or get something wrong on a technicality. So oh, turning it on his head yeah, is, yeah. is, you know. I absolutely agree. And I think interestingly, Michael Gove has a reputation for doing that, doesn't he? Turning things on its head and making things happen. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a, I would be a supporter of, you know, direct payments, um, from tenants. I mean, I think, uh, as you know, we're a not-for-profit scheme, uh, and I think that's attractive to uh, to tenants in in some cases. I suspect uh, in in that sort of model, most tenants would prefer the money paid into the custodial scheme, um, you know, rather than being paid to us for that for us then to pay back to yeah. to the landlord in an insured scheme. But and that's fine as well. So I think anything any pressure that you know you and I can can bring to bear, Ben, on this. In relation to government I think would be would be helpful but it would also fit very nicely with the lifetime deposit as well wouldn't it because you know one of the difficulties I guess is how it moves around and interacts with the schemes and with different landlords whereas if uh, if uh, effectively the tenant is telling the landlord there is a pot of money here rather than the landlord uh, telling the tenant that the money is protected somewhere that that ought to in my own mind facilitate that lifetime deposit from being more relevant I guess yeah, I mean, I, you know, even if the money's held by us, Ben, you know, it still doesn't, you know, 
deal with the the, the potential no. risk of a shortfall. So yeah, right. it does make some of the movements of money around the system uh, easier, but it's not you know it's not the the the, the panacea to to address the the risk of a of, of a shortfall on a cash deposit. But going yeah, probably, forward, so I think it probably ought to be a completely different scheme. Um, rather than sort of mixing it up with the existing schemes, perhaps sort of setting it up as a separate, a separate type of scheme. But I, th I have to say, I think the advantage of it is that it cuts out the possibility of, of rogue landlords and letting agents running off with the money. Um, Absolutely. Which, of course, is, is a problem for, for, um, for your people, Ben, from the landlords, because if a letting agent runs off with the money, the landlord's got to pay it back to the tenant. Indeed. Yeah, so, you know, I think we're all in agreement that it, it makes a lot of sense. I think the uh, the bit that we need, you know, the Secretary of State to to, to grasp is that there are going to be some tweaks required to the legislation. I don't actually think Tessa it needs a separate scheme. I'm I'm absolutely confident that this process would work, you know, within the uh, existing arrangements. It could work could work quite well. Um, and you know, you know, when people pay us money, uh, you know, uh, for a deposit and it goes into our custodial scheme. Yeah, I, I do think that you know tenants can probably sleep a bit more soundly in their beds knowing that uh, the the money is with us. Mm, yeah, interesting developments, Steve. Maybe you might just touch on the alternative uh, deposit schemes because that you know is is another uh, tool in the armory, isn't it? Uh, in terms of you know the consumer choosing whether or not they pay a uh, a, a cash deposit or whether they take out a product you've got a partnership with zero deposit i think uh how, how is that going yeah so you know we i think looked at this three four years ago uh when there were people coming onto the market like you know zero deposit and canopy i think was one of the companies that uh, we spoke to Flatfare, you know reposit these are all companies that that emerged and they you know they come about for the reason that we've been talking about that often tenants find it difficult to to find a deposit when they're they're moving moving home so you know we looked at uh, the options on the table and we decided that um you know there's no point fighting the incoming tide you know we realized that deposit protection for some tenants would be of interest um so we decided to partner up with with zero deposit and I actually sit on the board of uh, uh, zero deposit as well so I have you know quite a good insight into what the company is doing it feels to me that deposit protection insurance is a good solution for some people I don't think it's a, a good solution for everybody um, and uh, I think it's important that when tenants are buying these products that they realize uh, what they're buying. So one of my big concerns, you know, throughout our work with Zero Deposit has been the danger of mis-selling. And I'm really pleased to say that the board of Zero Deposit is really alive to this. And they've, they've made a lot of efforts with their, you know, agent partners in particular to uh, try to ensure that the risk of mis-selling a product is minimized. Because tenants need to understand that, that yes, they're buying this product. It's typically a week's rent uh, to buy the protection, but they need to understand right from the outset that if there's a claim at the end of the tenancy, that they're fully liable for that for that claim. 
Yeah. I mean, it's a guarantee, isn't it? It's it's um, it's not a deposit. It's a guarantee. It's a guarantee. They're buying... so it's not a, yeah, they're buying a surety, aren't they? I mean, I think that's the the legal term for this. So it's not technically insurance. It's a surety. But you know what the the, the what what's happening is the tenant is saying instead of paying uh, a deposit upfront in cash to the landlord, what I'm essentially buying is this promise to the uh, landlord that at the end of the tenancy, if there's any claim, I will pay it. And if I don't pay it, the landlord can be assured that sitting behind me is this uh, surety backed by insurance that companies like Zero Deposit will pay. So, you know, it's a, it's a slightly different product. Uh, it still provides the same sort of protection uh, for, for, for landlords. Um, and the big risk, I think, and we haven't seen this crystallise uh, yet at zero deposit. The big risk, I think, at the beginning of this was the the danger of mis-selling. But I think with good governance in these companies and good you know, good management practice and good agent partners, I think certainly with zero deposit, the risk of mis-selling um, uh, these products has um, you know largely gone away. You have to be alert to it, but I don't think it's really crystallised. So you know my. That's quite a long answer, but you know my my view is they have a role to play. Um, you know there are currently you know you know four point was it nine million deposits um, in England Wales that are currently protected uh, in the in the three tenancy deposit schemes. You know the levels of uh, sales of these uh, deposit replacement guarantees are still you know very small in comparison to the cash deposits. Now I'm not complacent. You know, I, I think the deposit schemes need to modernise and be, you know, continue to look at what they're what they're doing. But you know, I'm pleased that we're working with Zero Deposit. We provide the uh, adjudication service for them, so we look at claims in exactly the same way for Zero Deposit as we do in our you know, cash-based system. So I think tenants and landlords are being treated fairly uh, in the claims process. My guess is that um, the deposit replacement schemes will continue to grow. Um, whether they, 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 you know, ever overtake the cash schemes, I don't know. It's a long way off. I mean, there, there are a number of things, though, that tenants just need to watch out for them. I mean, firstly, that they don't get their money back like they do with a deposit. And secondly, if, if they're, they're probably good for people who leave the property in a perfect condition. But if they leave it in a mess, you know, they, 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 they may get chased for um, perhaps more than they would have done. If there was well, a if there was a yeah. deposit, and, I mean, um, I think there are two risks there, aren't there, Tessa? I think the first one is that they will get chased. Yeah. You know, if there's a claim, people will get chased. But it, it, so, in a sense, this is a sort of cash flow deferral scheme, isn't it? You know, in the in the cash deposit scheme, you pay your cash up front. If there's a claim, it's taken from your cash, and then you get paid the balance. Uh, in the zero deposit deposit replacement world, you 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 pay a small sum up front at the end of the uh, the tenancy if you've got a claim you either pay it yourself or the insurance company will pay and then they'll come after you to 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 get it i think the for me i think it's understanding that because i think you know often people think of insurance as you know you pay the premium up front and if you damage the car there may be a small excess to pay but you get the cost you know covered this is but that's, that's not, not that the case mm. yeah exactly so i guess you know that's the uh, you know the warning uh, bell that I think we always need to to be listing out for, 
Um, I mean, I also, there's the fact that there are more fees as well. I mean, I don't know about the scheme that you're involved in, but I mean, if you have a traditional deposit, you don't have to pay anything for the adjudication. It's free. What, what's, what's the situation with the, um, the flat fare scheme? Do they have to pay a fee if it goes to adjudication? Well, I can't talk for flat fare. I can talk about zero deposit. Sorry, zero deposit. Yeah. So no. So the you know you buy your you know policy for for one week's rent. Uh, there's a, a small admin fee that you also pay at the start of the the tenancy, and then just like in the cash schemes, there's no charge to tenants for raising for dealing with a claim. There's no charge to a landlord for for uh, raising a claim. So actually, in that way, I think you know it's one of the reasons we chose zero deposit. Yeah. That we felt it was you know, broadly similar, you know, to what, uh, you know, what happens in the cash world, I think. But I mean, people listening to this, if they're a tenant and they're thinking of that, that's something they need to look into, you know, are there any hidden fees? Absolutely. So you need to have a look at, you know, do you understand the policy? You know, what are you paying for? Uh, do you understand whether there's going to be a fee charged at the end of it? In fact, actually, next week, uh, Tessa, I'm speaking to an audience in New York. I'm not going to New York. They won't let me in yet. Um, but interesting over there, one of the concerns that some of the, the, the sort of tenant advocates have got in New York is that some of the companies that are offering this uh, deposit replacement package are providing cover of up to 12 weeks rent for landlords. Now, it, you know, in a situation in England where the typical deposit is just five weeks rent, the 12 week cover policy would be superficially attractive to landlords because mm. it would mean that landlords have actually got potentially the ability to recover 12 weeks worth of rents worth of damages. But the tenant in those circumstances, if they're not careful, you know, might be exchanging, you know, a one month, you know, security deposit in cash for buying a policy that gives them gives their landlord the ability to mm. charge them back for for 12 weeks. Now that I think is a particular you know, yeah. risk that's crystallized in the states we haven't seen that you know happen over yeah. here but often what happens in the states follows doesn't it yeah so. i mean the, one of the things here is that if if the tenant um causes damage which is more than the amount of the deposit often the landlords just write it off um but the 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 the, the company the um alternative deposit company they're not going to write it off they're going to pursue the tenant because they they will you well, know. remember uh tessa that in all of these deposit replacement schemes, they're only covering losses up to the value of the uh, the guarantee. So, you know, if the guarantee, I know, is £1,500 and the tenants caused, you know, £3,500 worth of damages, you know, the maximum they're going to get from the insurance policy is that £1,500. They still have to get a call yeah. if they want to recover you know the the, the above the, that the outstanding balance yeah yeah and steve I mean, if the guarantee is more than the normal deposit you know if the guarantee is for 12 weeks they're going to go after them for 12 yeah weeks I mean, we haven't seen that yet but i think that's you know, just something to be alert to if any of these companies you know decided to you know try to go for 12 weeks guarantees and i think there may be one or two in the market that mm. that do you know try to recover higher amounts in, in those circumstances i do think that tenants potentially are would be disadvantaged by, yeah. by that sort of scheme. Although, of course, it would be uh, attractive for landlords if they're letting tenants in with pets <laughs> who of do course, more yeah. damage, um, which is a, another problem we've got at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, certainly another conundrum. Steve, I'm, I'm interested in, you know, looking at sort of the behaviour changes you, you, you may or may not have seen. Obviously, you know, deposit protection has brought around a great deal of behaviour 
uh, uh, change some of it um uh well largely for, for the better on the part of of landlords how they approach these things but are you seeing any differences between the different schemes that you offer and people behaving differently or is it still moving towards greater uh, professional approach Ben, I think the biggest change that I think I've seen in my time at TDS in relation to disputes about uh, uh, deposits has been the almost universal acceptance now of the need for an inventory. You know, when this scheme first started, and we saw this in Scotland and in Northern Ireland, we quite often saw disputes coming in where there was no inventory, no check-in report, no check-out report. And if landlords don't do that, and they don't have to employ a you know letting agent to do it, they don't have to employ a you know professional inventory clerk. You know we get lots of examples of you know landlords who are well able to produce an inventory and, and check out to a high standard. But if you don't do it, you're not going to get a, a claim through. If you can't prove that the tenancy has become the property has become dirtier during the tenancy or the property's been damaged during the tenancy there's no way you're going to make a successful claim so for me that has been the biggest change that I've certainly seen over the last you know uh, 11 years since I've been here and certainly in Scotland and Northern Ireland who introduced these schemes you know only seven years ago that's been a big change as well so I think we've seen you know the widespread adoption of inventories as meaning that you know we're no longer seeing spurious you know, claims coming through because it's not worth putting them through. So I think that's been a big change. Uh, you know, in our custodial scheme in particular, we have really good visibility as to what happens to the deposit. So it's interesting, I, I, I checked the figures for the last two years, for every uh, tenancy in our custodial scheme, 56% uh, of cases, the deposit was returned in full to the uh, tenant. So that's a good figure but on the other hand it also means that what 40 get my maths right here 44 percent of cases there's a deduction and i think in six percent of cases all of the deposit goes back to the landlord so you can see you know this pattern suggests that um you know in a in a majority of cases tenants look after the property in other cases there are deductions made mostly these deductions are made by agreements the tenants actually agree yes i've you know damaged the kitchen or i haven't cleaned the fridge properly and they agree the deduction uh, and in a you know five six percent of cases all of the deposit goes back to the the landlord usually i have to say for for rent arrears i mean that's the biggest reason for the full deposit being uh, repaid and in between you know there's a range of deductions and you know, of what are the most um, what are the most common things that deductions are for? I mean, is is it cleaning? Yeah, so nothing <laughs> changes, does it? So yeah, cleaning is the the, the number one reason for deductions. Um, and you know, and I, you know, I think that's an important point for tenants uh, to realise that you know the cleaning standards. You know, you need to make sure that the property uh, is clean to the standard which you took it in the in the first instance. Um, those of uh, the listeners who have kids at university will know that this is a problem. Uh, often, uh, you know, students' view of what is clean, uh, I think it differs significantly from their landlord. So cleaning is a, is a big issue still for, uh, for, for, for tenants you know, in relation to deposit deductions. And the other, you know, key reason is when there's been some damage caused. 
um, could be some redecoration damage where you know they kids have scribbled on the wallpaper and it, it's not been dealt with or it could be pets you know where they've you know caused damage to the to the wood flooring uh, from scratching it you know that's that's the other area um, renter is over the last few years that has been you know declining as a reason for uh, for uh, deposit uh, deductions um, we haven't yet seen you know the impact of covid in terms of whether that's going to push up you know renter is going forward but i imagine as tenancies start to end that may not have yet ended we're likely to see i think renter is potentially increasing as a reason for deposit disputes you know in the next year or so and steve you've given a clear shout out there for uh, for those hopefully minority of landlords and agents who aren't doing inventories to get one um yeah. what, what, what do you say your tips are on the tenant side then so i think when tenants are you know taking uh, a tenancy i think first of all and we we touched on this earlier didn't we about the need to ensure your deposit is protected so i think tenants do need to double check that the deposit has been protected in one of the three tenancy deposit schemes and the landlord should have told them uh, where that is i think it's really important they do that because if they don't check it early on there could be a problem at the end of the tenancy i think it's really important that tenants if they can attend a check-in so they walk around the property with the landlord and check uh, and make sure they're happy with the condition that's being recorded in the inventory and if they don't do that for any reason i think it's really important they check that inventory within a few days of them moving in to make sure that you know if one of the windows is broken that that's noted on the inventory because the danger is if they miss things that the landlord has uh, recorded uh, perhaps incorrectly then that's going to be a problem for, for them at the end and then i guess it's you know behaving you know in a in a good tenant manner you know looking after the property making sure it's kept clean you know reporting damage or defects to the landlord uh, promptly you know when they're moving out make sure that they clean it to the standard in the inventory make sure any damage is is rectified attend the checkout um, pay their last month's rent on time you know these are obvious things that, that that tenants need to do i think the interesting bit for me in this job is that the cohort of tenants is keep keeps changing doesn't it you know every year you get new tenants coming into the market you know, people who've gone to university for the first time, then they get a job or they move into a, a rented property. Uh, you get people downsizing, moving into rented homes perhaps for the first time. And then likewise for landlords, you know, every year, you know, there are thousands of new landlords coming onto the market, um, you know, many of whom are not always entirely clear as to what they have to do. That's why they need to join your organisation, Ben, to get uh, access to good quality advice and information. And landlord law. Don't forget that. <laughs> and landlord law, Tessa, well. absolutely. Yeah, Join us both. There's room for both. There is, yeah. <laughs> but honestly, I think, you know, I think that, you know, the, the issue for me is that, you know, being a tenant these days, if you want to, you know, uh, uh, ensure your deposit is protected or not have a claim against your deposit replacement insurance, it's important you understand how the system works. Um, and if you're going to dispute the claim, you, you need to know who to go to, uh, you know, the sort of evidence we'll be looking for in a, in, a, in a deposit dispute. But, you know, really, the aim should should be for there not to be a dispute. You know, and if tenants look after properties, if a landlord does a good job, you know, working, you know, with the um, 
the tenant, hopefully that 56% of tenancies that end without a deduction could go up to 60, you know, 75%. I suppose it's also worth mentioning that if any tenants or landlords are, are unsure, you do have a huge amount of information on your website to help them. We do, uh, you know, uh, and also people can ring us up. You know, we have yeah. a, we have a, you know, customer operations team that, you know, deals with thousands of, you know, phone calls and uh, emails each week. I think, you know, Ben, you've got a, a, a helpline as well that, that, that provides support for, for landlords. And, we, you know, we'd like to get calls early because actually the earlier we get a call, uh, the more we can, um, you know, do to, to, to try and avoid problems later on. So, yeah, please, you know, contact us and we'll provide advice and assistance, be you a tenant or a landlord. OK, well, I think we're coming towards the end of our time. Um, so it's been it's been fascinating, Steve. Thank you very Good. much indeed. Who knew deposit protection could be so interesting to us? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, and hopefully it's been very interesting for, for our listeners. So um, thank you very much. Good, thank, thank you, Steve. Good. So that was a, a very interesting session. What did you think, Ben? Yeah, as really. A, as a, as a deposit person in the a past. deposit person very good um uh, yeah re- really interesting obviously you know i, I know a reasonable amount of, of of what tds is has done and and what they continue to do but i think it's always interesting to uh, to see how an organization such as tds is is evolving um you know a lot of landlords and tenants frankly would not be terribly interested in the role that deposits play in the wider sector until such a point that they you know need to need to swat up on these things so i think it's really interesting to see you know the types of different products that are out there and the sort of thought process behind things like lifetime deposits which mm. steve was very very candid about mm. yeah i mean i i can see that the although it sounds obvious and, and easy actually it isn't yeah you know it's like making your favorite cake isn't it you know you 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 think you can do it but you know you you don't quite get all of the ingredients and the proportions right and you know the the it's the same with lifetime deposits because as steve says ultimately it's where it's like a lot of things it's it's kind of who pays and where the risk sits now as a landlord myself if i know i'm going to start a deposit with a shortfall i ain't going to be terribly interested in that so you know whatever product comes out um, you know, it has to be something uh, that that works for tenants and works for landlords and is not complicated. And that's going to oh. be a really difficult uh, cake to bake, I think. Actually, one thing we didn't ask, Steve, I mean, you, you may know, is it is it proposed with the lifetime deposit that this is to become mandatory and replace the existing scheme or is it just going to be another option? Uh, so uh, there's no talks at the moment about it replacing anything. So mm. I think it would just end up being a, a suite of, of things that are available, except, you know, it probably being on the statute book. Yeah. So watch this space. So maybe in a year or so's time, we'll have to get Steve back again um, and, uh, and see where we are. Yeah, no, it was a really, really good chat. OK, so... Um, We've got uh, somebody next month. I don't think we've worked out who yet. So uh, we're someone <laughs> fabulous. Someone fabulous. Someone, someone brilliant. So uh, um, thank you to our wonderful guest, Steve Harriet, and uh, Ben and I will be back again at some stage in the future, probably next month. See you next month. See you next month. <laughs>